Welcome back to the Village Voices podcast, the relational conservation podcast from Project Emo, where we explore the interconnections between healthy communities, youth development, nature education, and their impact on conservation. I'm Jay Highland. And I'm Annie Zarka. We'll be your hosts as we explore the relationships we create with ourselves, our tribes, and the natural world through art. With us is artist and outdoor educator, Dory Bergman. Dory has degrees in wilderness therapy and outdoor education, but her passion lies not just in the outdoors, but using it to help people. Her artwork conveys powerful expressions of a range of emotions, personal challenges and triumphs, and makes our natural world a central part of that experience. It's also simply gorgeous artwork. I have some gracing the walls of my own home, and we even have some of her greeting cards to use as facilitation prompts during some of our Project Emo programs. And uh, with that, Dory, just honestly, we are so thrilled to have you with us today, and thank you, thank you so much for being so generous with your time, your experience, and your stories. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm so happy to be on here, yeah. Yay, Dory. So, Dory, you're on what seems like a really amazing journey that's taken you from an adventurer in the wild to wilderness therapy and outdoor education, and you've told so much of that journey through your artwork. So, it sounds like you've also had some thrilling adventures as a child and eventually through the National Outdoor Leadership School. You want to share some of that journey with us? Yeah, so um, in the summer between high school and college, I experienced anxiety and depression from a fear of the unknown. Um, So I went on a 30-day mountaineering course in Alaska with the National Outdoor Leadership School, and it changed my mindset completely. So you did 30 days out in the Alaskan wilderness. Dory, that sounds amazing. What drew you from being an adventurer to really like working in wilderness therapy? Um, So I felt firsthand the effects um, that being out in the wilderness for an extended period of time had on my well-being. Um, So naturally, I wondered, who else can we be helping in this way? And wilderness therapy and outdoor education are still um, pretty unknown to the general public. Yeah, So that uh, led me in the direction of studying wilderness therapy and outdoor ed. Dory, tell me more about, like, what did you have to do to get into wilderness therapy was that its own certification or did is that something that you still practice today with your artwork so um i uh, in my undergrad college they actually had this opportunity to create your own major um and i took full advantage of that um and i took a bunch of psychology courses um and and then i shifted gears a little bit after college and went more towards outdoor ed and then now I'm a full-time artist, so I don't uh, work in this field anymore, but I do have a lot of experience in it. Yeah. Well, I think it certainly shows through in, in, in your artwork. Like the, the depth of emotion that comes through in, in your work is is really powerful. I, it was, I remember the first time that, that we met you up in, uh, in the White Mountains in, in New Hampshire at the, the Highland Center, the AMC Huts, like just walking into the, to the, to your show and like seeing the amount of emotion that comes through uh, through your, your paintings was just, it kind of just drew me right in. It was like a moth to a flame. So that was, uh, yeah, that, that was so, such a powerful uh, realization of that, that experience and learning that you had. That's awesome. I'm so glad that emotion comes through. So, um, how do experiences like these really intersect with that space for personal growth, healing, and the therapeutic practices when you think about those experiences in the wild? 
So research shows that new experiences cause almost everyone to feel anxious. So there are a lot of things we don't do because we're afraid of failing, but it's so important to experience and overcome fear because we actually learn the most when we're being challenged. Um, so outdoor education is all about giving people that safe and supportive environment to expand their comfort zones. Um, and this looks like physical and emotional risk taking. Mm -hmm. um, I can give some examples yeah, um, if you think that might be helpful. Yeah. So um, one example is um, that students are placed in a novel and unfamiliar environment. So maybe they've never been camping before. Or if they have, you know, there's still so many uncontrollable factors in the wilderness, like rain and snow. Um, another example is showing vulnerability. So um, these students aren't going through all these challenges by themselves, and they learn to trust their peers and instructors. And for some, this could be even harder than physically climbing the mountain. Um, and then lastly, um, another example is leadership. So students manage a lot more responsibility than they're used to back at home when they're cooking their own meals and navigating, using a map and compass, setting up shelter every night, things like that. And I, I love it because so much of what you just discussed really has the, there's, there's an immediacy to uh, a consequence, right? If you're, if you don't, you know, work well as a group and make the trail time, you don't hit the campsite and you don't get to set up camp in the light, you have to set up with headlamps on or, and then your dinner is just, you know, you boil some water and whatever stuff reheats, right? So it's, there's very much a, uh, an immediacy to that element of so much of what you just discussed. It's really helpful, especially, especially with youth work um, where, you know, sometimes that what, you know, they don't see necessarily consequences two, three, four uh, steps away. They can kind of see what they just might encounter. Um, yeah, it's, it's like so different than life in the front country and there's so much growth that can come from that. And so it's not a surprise that I felt like I was able to treat my anxiety and depression when I was out on, you know, one of my um, expeditions. And that you could find that kind of power in that experience for yourself and then want to turn around and share it with other people uh, is is really kind of the heart and soul I think that I see some you know come through at least for me anyway when I see come through some of your work you know we've kind of talked a bit about the the power of wilderness adventure to spark growth and some healing uh, but there's definitely a process akin to that in the act of creation I think right that, that process where you take something from inside and, and manifest that whatever medium you're going to use so in the mental and emotional journey of artistic expression can be highly therapeutic. It sounds like in its own right. Would, would you be willing to share some of your creative processes with our, with our listeners? Yeah, I would love to. Um, so I've been creative my whole life, um, whether it was making movies and writing or drawing and painting. Um, but it wasn't until I took an art class in my last year of college that I fell in love with oils. Um, I love this medium for its vibrancy and also because it gives me a lot of control. In other areas of my life, I don't have that same control. So um, when I paint, I feel like the canvas can be anything I want it to be. Um, and also I can paint for hours and hours um, because I enter what's called the flow state, which you probably know and have experienced from a lot of outdoor activities like climbing. It's when you're so concentrated on the task at hand that you forget about everything else and it's a really great um, state to be in. Oh, I love I love that 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 the process becomes so 
so engaging that I, for me, like I kind of want to get there. I kind of see, I can see an outcome, but almost the process behind it is, is the better. That's the journey, right? That's, that's the value in it for me anyway. And so what is it about your creative process? And I think you, you kind of touched on that, but what is it about your creative processes that helps you, helps you find, navigate life's winding trails, right? Life, life throws a little adversity your way. How does, how does that creative process help you? I think that painting is therapeutic for many reasons, but most notably, I think it allows me to express myself and connect with other people on a deeper level. Uh, just like you were saying how you and your wife were able to build this connection with me after seeing my work in person at the Appalachian Mountain Center. And that's a, there's a very special capacity that you have to, to draw folks in, in in that way. And also I kind of like you have, obviously there's, you know, a tremendous outdoor theme to your artwork. So have you found featuring the wild world as such a large part of your creations has helped people develop a connection with nature through, through your art? Um, absolutely. I think that my art inspires people, especially women and girls, um, because they're underrepresented in the outdoor industry um, to get outside, experience adventure, and just remind them of how much joy they can find out there. Yeah, Dory, I, I want to say I did, didn't did know of your art before this, but when I saw it online, because um, obviously I had to Google you and look you up, <laughs> it really is so powerful too. And I love that you're like thinking about who's represented in like the outdoor world, because you're right, it, it typically is a lot of, you know, when I think about outdoor imagery or like the REI catalog, you know, it's a man hanging off half dome, but it's never, it's never really like the women who are out there representing like 51% of the population. So I love that you're thinking specifically about that. Yeah. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. And I think I, I just want to like circle back for a minute too, when you're talking about like the vibrancy and the colors that you're able to use in the oil paints, I'm wondering you know, with that color scheme and stuff, is there any like emotions that you're trying to convey or do you have your own like interpretation of what each piece kind of means when you use colors that way? Oh, that's really interesting. Um, I don't have any meaning behind each color, but that would be really cool. But um, I just love painting colorful pieces because I really believe in the power of like bright, cheery, colorful art in your home to really lift your mood um, and inspire you. Yeah. So I just try to use as many colors as I can. No, it totally comes through. I mean, like each piece really is, it has like a presence, you know, it's really, that's awesome. It's stateful. And I think the, like the very clean lines that you use as well, like it's just very bold, but bold yeah. without being assuming in a, a certain ways. It's just kind of speaks to you. I mean, yeah. We'll be back in just a moment or two to continue our conversation with Dory. For just a minute, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took just a second to learn a bit more about our friends at Pro Bono Partnership, without whom none of this would be possible. Project Emo wouldn't be where it is today without the generous support of Pro Bono Partnership. Their team of experts helped us incorporate and gain charitable 501c3 status. At every step of the way, the volunteers at Pro Bono Partnership offered guidance and diligent counsel to help us grow in ways we never could have achieved on our own. 
Pro Bono Partnership is celebrating 25 years of providing free legal help to nonprofits in Connecticut, New York, and New Jersey. Founded on the belief that strengthening nonprofits will make stronger communities, the partnership's mission is to provide nonprofits with the legal advice and educational resources they need to build capacity, reduce risk, and enhance programming with confidence. The partnership services were never more critical than during the last two years, when the global pandemic led to shifting requirements for nonprofits and a greater need for services within communities. The partnership and its 1,400 volunteer attorneys were there to help, providing 38,000 hours of free legal assistance to nearly 900 nonprofits, valued at $19 million in 2020. Pro Bono Partnership is also a nonprofit organization, and your support is what makes their mission possible. Learn more at probonopartner.org. Jay, I believe that yeah. you told us you were going to give us a tour of your house and show us the piece that you have oh, by Dory. Yes. yes if oh, yeah, you have a print, right? I do, um, indeed. Is it a canvas or a paper print? Uh, paper print, yeah. We uh, we put it up in our living room, and I am going to, so this is what I'm going to do. I am going to, this is, I'm going to mute this mic and then okay. jump on from the phone. Yeah. Oh, you have badass backpackers. Badass backpackers. A paper print. Oh, <laughs> oh, I love that, this. That frame is really pretty, and that was um, inspired by um, a thirty-day course in oh. um, the Pacific Northwest. It was an all-women's course. Wow! And for our podcast listeners, this is a picture. Half of the <laughs> painting is cut diagonally with a broad green hill and the other half is mountains going into a sunset with badass backpackers traveling across the path. Yes. Did I get that right? I walked away in the middle of your description. I I committed it to memory already. (laughs) I didn't even know that we were still recording. Yeah. (laughs) People on podcasts. I love that. Oh, yes. We made Jay take a journey. Thank you for showing us all that, Jay. I think that's actually the most cardio I've done all day. And we don't usually take all of our podcast uh, guests. Really? (laughs) And we're back. That was like the field work podcast. I need to get a field recorder out for that. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is so bad. I've gone up and down the stairs twice, and I'm... uh, Yes. Yeah. Dory's the most active, fit girl here. Yeah, and you guys are in low altitude. I know. (laughs) I do feel like most, I've, I've gotten so out of shape this winter, I feel like everything is high altitude. Yeah, I I've, I've have been eating like hot cocoa and ice cream every night, so I'm not much different. Nothing wrong awesome. with that. Yeah. So how long did it take you, now you're originally from this area, right? Up in New England? Yeah, I'm from Syracuse. And how oh. did, how was that adaptation to high altitude living? How long did that take? I didn't notice it. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. tremendous. I had, um, the one time I spent any decent amount of time at altitude, because mostly, I, you know, the mountains up here, they're just not there. Um, yeah. But I was, it was an Arizona mountain, and I was up there um, for work for about Oh, about was it maybe, is it Camelback? Uh, Mount Graham, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was uh, one of the 10,000 footers down there um, in southern Arizona, and uh, I spent of a week working uh, between the base camp and the mountain of the, the and it was the first day I could barely walk across because it was just like that, that wow. like oxygen deprivation in the quad muscles. It was like, oh, my God, everything hurts. 
Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure I would have felt that way if I went and did a 14er soon after I moved here. Yeah. yeah. It definitely said that rapid switch. Definitely yeah. the rapid switch. But Tater is from Fort Collins, so he's like built for this. He's oh, wow. an amazing hiker. Really? <laughs> yeah. So what 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 is Tater? What 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 breed is Tater? He's a Shih Tzu. Um, awesome. But I've like been hiking with him since he was a baby, so um, he he loves it. <laughs> That's tremendous. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever feature Tater in your artwork? Yeah, he's in uh, one painting called Tater Tot. Um, but I want to I want to paint another one of him and have him sign it at the bottom with his paw. That would yeah, be and sweet. he's with me every day in the studio. I got him to be a studio dog, so he he loves art. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's around so art every awesome. single day. <laughs> he's a cultured dog. He's very cultured. <laughs> yes. right? What was it about? Like, was there something about moving into your apartment that helped you kind of envision with your inner creative eye this, these two paths with this? this unknown wilderness in between. So listeners, podcasting about something visual, it does kind of strain the conversation from your end, doesn't it? So let's take a moment and see if we can't help you focus your mind's eye. Picture, if you will, a large black field with a curving and forked path bisecting the piece. One fork is dirt and rocks, the other a two-lane paved road. The center of the painting is the V-shape between the forks. This represents an untamed forest of white birch. The striking greens, yellows, and whites of the forest evoke for me a warm and inviting, if unknown, journey. For me, the heart of this piece is the lone figure at the divergence of the fork path. We see the tiny traveler with their backpack stepping off of the road and into this indeterminate wilderness. I would try to describe to you the joyful motion the figure has, but the words just aren't coming to me to capture it. So definitely head over to myoutdoorart.com and check out bushwhacking and all of Dory's work. But for now, let's find out how the creation of this piece may have been inspired by her life when she created it. So that painting is about how instead of taking the path less traveled, forging your own path entirely. Yeah. So I think that was just... Um, how I was approaching my life now that I was living independently outside of college and I had to make all these decisions on my own. And I decided to, instead of pursuing the cookie cutter path or even the path that was more unique, just like making my own path. Joy, I got to ask, like, what goes into your naming of all of these pieces? Like some of them, like my friend Fear and Gratitude. I mean, some of them have like just really striking names that complement the piece more than I think I would have gotten if I didn't know the name of it. Like, do, do you think a long time? Do you know the name before you even start? Like, um, I don't know the name before I start. I do know the whole painting before I start because I like plan it out meticulously, but I would say a lot of, for a lot of my paintings, I like use themes that were prevalent in outdoor education and wilderness therapy. Hmm. So they were themes that I like had a lot of experience with. I'm looking at like failure right now. And it's the piece of someone laying down what looks like the, the Grand Canyon overlooking the oh, river. Yeah, I actually painted that when I was at the place where I, where I met Jay. 
that at the Appalachian Mountain Club. So I painted it in the week that I was there. And it's about not being able, not being afraid to fall because you can't build wings to fly unless you take that leap. Yeah. I, I just like, ah, uh, I'm looking at it and it adds so much more to know what you've named it. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. For a painting like that, that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. And it doesn't like, you know, when I think of the word failure, from you know, like a personal perspective, not from the adventure facilitator perspective, because of that perspective, we're like, we embrace the heck out of failure, right? That's like, we love that space. But, you know, personally, well, that's just not an option, right? And I got to succeed, 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 right? <laughs> Do not practice what I preach. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when I think about, like, if I was to internalize a vision of what failure would look like, it would be dark colors. It would, it would be like this just mm-hmm. kind of crushing, like, sensation, right? Whereas I look at this, this painting it's hopeful, right? It's, mm-hmm. there's a path forward. There's this, like, and there's an immersion and like the figure in this, in this painting is like right up to the edge, like looking forward to the next step. And I think that's very powerful because it helps to reframe. And I think one of the reasons why I'm so keen to use the card set as reflection points and programs, because it gets people to reframe what can in many ways be, Sometimes it's perceived as a negative, right? And failure is a negative, but it really isn't if you look at it the right way. I really like that. Yeah. And again, I'm a firm believer that that art should be something that inspires you. And so, yeah, I definitely tried to see all of these um, tricky subjects in a hopeful way. And so I'm glad you picked up on that. I mean, Dora, you've created so many emotional landscapes for people that have helped them explore their connections to self, others, and the world. Like, Jay and I are connecting mm-hmm. just now, kind of like reviewing yeah. all of your your body of work. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we kind of imagine that those connections have helped people find their own creative self in the process. I'm wondering, like, if we think about our own internal selves as a canvas that really never stops evolving, what advice would you have for folks as they work on their own masterpieces? Um, I love the quote, you don't have to be amazing to start. You just have to start to be amazing. Um, The hardest part of every painting for me is actually at the very beginning. So it's looking at the blank canvas and getting that initial sketch down that takes the most willpower. Um, So my advice is to just take that first step and then another and then another. I really think that nothing happened overnight for me. And it feels like a lot of little things added up through hard work and dedication. Um, and also believing in myself. I think if you don't believe in yourself, then nobody else will. That's something I, I come back to a lot. Mm, yeah. Or tater tart might too, yes. you know. Yeah. Tater will believe in you. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will but tater tot will. But, but, but tater tot. Right? But tater tot. Yeah. Yeah, but tater tot. <laughs> you know what? I think there needs to be a, a big social media push for the tater. I think, <laughs> I think he needs to be the next inspirational figurehead. Uh, yeah. Global. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely behind every painting now. Um, since I got him like a year and a half ago, especially what I love about, uh, having a dog. Cause I'm new to having a dog. I never had one growing up. And what I, what really stands out to me is that tater is always, always so happy and grateful to be alive. And also he's always in the moment. Like he's not 
thinking about the past or the future. And so he constantly reminds me to stay in the moment and, and like, just be grateful for what I have. What a good lesson though, to take away from like that coexistence, like that shared experience of being in the moment. And I think your art brings that too. You know, your art doesn't have, there's not a lot of like, pretenses like I'm not forward thinking or past thinking I'm just like sitting there in that moment with whoever is starring and on the canvas you know you are very present in the art definitely and I think I mean just everybody you know I've shown the work to and and in our conversation tonight I think it encourages that mindfulness it's like Mm. now I see it I have an emotional connection to it and from that emotional connection what does it mean to me and how do I help think about where I am at the moment and then start doing the work of, of, of learning and, and growing through that. Yeah, it's that that's like my favorite part of what I do is that I can I can reflect on my own experiences and put it onto the canvas and then someone can connect with with those thoughts and feelings by looking at my art and bringing it to their home. love to have you continue our learning journey today with Dory Bergman after we tell you just a little bit about one of our partners who helps support our programs. That's Holiday Hill Day Camp and Recreation Center of Mansfield Center, Connecticut. There are just some places that when you walk around in the woods, it feels a lot like home. Holiday Hill Day Camp and Recreation Center in Mansfield Center, Connecticut is one of those places. For over 60 years, Holiday Hill has created a world of action and adventure where kids learn important social and physical skills in an atmosphere of encouragement, acceptance, and fun for everyone from ages three and a half to 14. They also provide a tremendous staff and training program, turning ninth and 10th graders into leaders through their NEST program. The skills and values young people develop within the growth zone created at Holiday Hill will help prepare them to face the challenges of building their best selves for life while meeting their need for adventure and social connection today. Holiday Hill also has a specialized program from our early elementary through middle schoolers called the Finches Program. The staff in this group employ strengths-based social skills groups that focus on children and teenagers with pervasive developmental disorder, Asperger syndrome, high-functioning autism, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and shyness. They use a fun, activities-based philosophy of practice rooted in dialectical behavioral therapy. If you want your young ones to have experiences that truly last a lifetime, go check out Holiday Hill Day Camp and Recreation Center in Mansfield. Trust us, so many here in our own Project Emo Village grew up there, worked there, and still call it home to this very day. Visit HolidayRecreation.com to learn more about their programs, activities, and to start what we promise will be an amazing adventure. Thank you so much, really, for sharing your vision, your creative processes, your insights with us here on Village Voices. It really has been truly wonderful to explore with you some of these powerful and interconnected topics. For our listeners who'd love to find out more about your work and immerse themselves in your art, how can they find you? Um, You can find me on myoutdoorart.com or on Instagram at myoutdoorart. Well, you're getting another follower tonight, Dory. <laughs> yes, yeah. And we're going to make sure that those links are up. Um, we'll share them out on our social, and uh, we'll include them in the uh, the uh, the podcast uh, description. 
That's awesome. And what, uh, so do you have anything, like, where can folks connect with you, like, at events? Do you have any shows coming? Like, how, how, how else can folks connect with you? In 2022, my goal was to start working with galleries so I can do a little less of the marketing myself. Yeah. Um, so I just dropped off a series of paintings at a gallery in Jackson Hole. And then I'm currently working on a series for a gallery in Park City. And then I have an art opening at the Golden Wellness Center in Colorado. And and then also, if folks want to reach out about commissions, I have about 10 commissions in the queue at all times. Wow. So I'm always really busy and grateful to be busy. So listeners, there's always going to be a gap in time between when we actually talk to somebody and when we actually get to have the episode out broadcast to the whole planet and hopefully the International Space Station and into your ears. So we wanted to give you an update on some of Dory's next shows. She's going to have a show in Aspen, Colorado on July 2nd through 4th and then another in Golden, Colorado from July 9th to 10th. So if you are out in that area, definitely do stop by and check out her shows. Folks, on behalf of Annie and I, we thank you for tuning in to this newest installment of our Village Voices Relational Conservation Podcast from Project Emo. If you like this episode, give it a thumbs up and share it out. If you really like this episode, please drop in a review as that helps us kind of convince all those robots that run the algorithms to bump our show up in the feed and get some more listeners. If you really, we mean really like this episode, head on over to projectemo.org and learn more about how you can support our charitable program for under-resourced youth. We can't thank Dory enough for spending time with us. She is truly, truly one of the best souls you're ever going to meet. Be sure to stop by her website at myoutdoorart.com, see some of her tremendous work, bring tons of it into your homes, and follow her on social. And if you are lucky enough to live in an area where she is having a show, stop in and say hello. This was our sixth episode in what has become our first series of the Village Voices podcast. We're going to take a bit of a break for the summer. We're stepping out of the editing booth and going to, you know, get outdoors like the outdoor adventure educators that we are here at Project Emo. We're going to be back in the fall with more episodes and a slightly different format with more of the team kind of talking all at once as we interview folks. Village Voices, the Relational Conservation Podcast, is produced by Francis Naru and hosted by Xavier Fowler, Annie Sarka, and me, Jay Highland. For now, we're going to sign off for some summer sun, and we will see you right back here on Village Voices in the fall. <laughs>